I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman, senior editor at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. It is Monday. No, it's not a victory Monday. It's not even a defeated Monday. The Steelers haven't flipping played in a week, and it's depressing. But I digress. We're going to get you all caught up here on this Monday morning. I hope you had a great weekend. I know I did. Started to feel better. Back on the mend. I'm back. Feeling good. It's good to be back. Good to be back. And I want to talk about a lot of different things in this podcast. You know, when you when you have when you get so used to the rhythm of the regular season, you're talking about in a podcast platform, you get used to doing the winners and losers on Monday and Wednesday is certain things that you try to target and Friday is the picks and it's the what they have to do. There's kind of a little bit of a freeing aspect here where I can kind of I can pick whatever topic I want to talk about and I can run with it. And Monday is the day that I can run with whatever I want for the whole show. Like Wednesday, I do the mailbag on Wednesday. Friday, I have the blue check back segment. Monday is my flipping show. I love those other shows, but this is just me. Okay, so I want to really dive into a draft class that I've been highly disappointed with for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And that was the 2020 draft class. That's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about the 2020 Pittsburgh Steelers draft class, only six players, Everyone had high hopes for, and I think they fell flat. Maybe not everyone, but for the vast majority, they fell flat. Before we get into all that, I do want to talk about some NFL stuff, AFC North stuff. And before we even get to that, I want to make sure you remember BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. should be your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. 
Make sure you're checking it out early and often so that you don't miss a thing. It's going to be a crazy offseason, folks, so you want to buckle up. You want to make sure that is your go-to location for all your news and information. Podcast platform hasn't changed. Maybe slimming down a little bit, New Year's resolution style, but ultimately, wherever you get your podcast search, Steelers or Behind the Steel Curtain, subscribe, follow, whatever you have to do so that you don't miss a thing. And we're everywhere. We're Apple Podcasts. That's our most prominent location. And if you use Apple Podcasts, people, if you're an Apple Podcast user and you listen to our podcast and you haven't given us a rating, a five-star rating, can you please do it? I appreciate it because I'm a Spotify user, and our Spotify users have been on point since they that platform, Spotify, put the rating out there. We already have over 209 ratings. Fantastic. I, I love every single one of you for going and taking the time. It takes literally two seconds. Don't be lazy. And uh, if you're on Apple Pod, would love to get some more ratings. Give us that five star. We appreciate it. Okay, let's talk about some NFL first. You know, this was divisional round weekend. Uh, when I'm recording this, it is at halftime of the Rams and Buccaneers game on Sunday. I'm going out a little bit to a family event, and I'll probably be watching the Bills and Chiefs tonight, but I'm going to get this recording done before then. But what I want to talk about really doesn't have anything to do with that late game. It doesn't have to do with the AFC as in general. It has everything to do with the AFC North and the game that happened on Saturday where the I still can't believe it, to be honest with you, that the Cincinnati Bengals have punched their ticket to the AFC Championship game by beating the Tennessee Titans, or some might say that the Tennessee Titans lost the game. I don't care. The Bengals win. If you're someone that says, well, if the Titans didn't do this, that, or the other, well, you're probably the same person. I hope you are the same person that said that when the Titans came to Hinesfield and the Steelers needed every one of those turnovers to win the game. But when you look at the Bengals, I mean – they're a team that in one offseason really turned it around, really turned it around. And there's a lot of folks out there that are pointing at the Steelers saying, could the Steelers do the same thing? you got to keep one thing in mind here, folks. They have one of the better up-and-coming young quarterbacks in the game right now in Joe Burrow. When you can build around that foundational piece, that it makes things a heck of a lot easier. And so the Steelers have a lot of question marks this offseason, quarterback being one, if not the biggest, but it's one. Uh, and so the Bengals, you know, congratulations to them. I was not rooting for them, but they found a way to win. And it's it's just one of those situations where whoever they play, whether it's Buffalo or whether it's Kansas City, that's going to be a good game. The Bengals are going to be a real tough out, not only in this postseason, but for years to come in the AFC. Speaking of other AFC news, AFC North news, Wink Martindale, not the game show host, uh, the defensive coordinator of the Ravens was let go, was fired. I mean, I don't get this move unless he wanted out. Nonetheless, the Ravens are going to be looking for a new defensive coordinator this year, and Wink Martindale is now out there as a potential signee or a, an acquisition for a, a, a team that's looking for a defensive coordinator. The Browns didn't have done anything. Uh, Baker Mayfield had surgery. That's about it. But the Steelers, they're also looking for a defensive coordinator. I can't not talk about the fact that Keith Butler officially announced his retirement on Saturday night. And it's a situation where now Steeler fans are kind of so jaded. Maybe jaded is not the word, but they question everything so much. Is this a Bruce Arians retirement or is this a legitimate retirement? And you cannot fault Steeler fans for questioning these type of motives and decisions made by the organization. Why? They've done it before. I mean, Bruce Arians did not retire. 
They said he was retiring. He is right now, as I speak, he's coaching in the NFC divisional game against the LA Rams. So please, if you're someone that says, well, I trust the team, the team has given fans more than enough reason on more than one occasion to doubt some of the motives behind their decisions. So the Steelers are expected to promote Terrell Austin. Terrell Austin. And there was something that I wanted to talk about on this podcast. So this information does not, I repeat, does not come from me. Um, I don't have any inside source that gave me this information. I have none of that. This came from Jerry Dulac of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. If you go on Friday and check out his, I guess they call it a mailbag, or maybe it's a, a chat with fans, I don't know. Whatever, go check that out. And I don't like to plug other people's stuff, but because I'm talking about this, I'm going to give you the, uh, the opportunity to go and check it out for yourself. So I, I read this article on Friday, and it was a really, really damning piece when you read Jerry Dulac, who's supposed to be that Pittsburgh Steelers quote-unquote insider. The Steelers don't have a lot of those, but Jerry Dulac is the one that's supposed to be that guy. And so... The, what, the, paint, the picture he painted when they're talking about Matt Canada, Keith Butler, who had not retired at the time that that article was published, it's, wow, the front office, Art Rooney II, it makes you wonder, like, wow, this is incredible. The, the, the stuff they're saying, he is making the Steelers sound unbelievably cheap. Why do they have the smallest coaching staff? For a couple reasons. And number one is that they don't want to pay top-notch coordinators to come to the Steelers. They want to save money. That's why they like to promote in-house. They will save money. And on top of that, think about this Terrell Austin, if it happens, but think about the promotion that would take place. He would leave his role as like the secondary assistant coach, secondary assistant, whatever, senior something or the other, it's some weird name, if he gets promoted to defensive coordinator, that's a position he's leaving that they probably will not fill, saving them some money. So you kind of see things in a different lens now. On top of that, he talks about how Mike Tomlin typically wants to bring in coordinators or defensive coaches that are going to fall in line with what he wants to do. And Keith Butler openly came out after he retired. I guess he spoke to several members of the media via phone. And he said that since he was hired as defensive coordinator, it's been Mike Tomlin who calls the defensive plays. He said, would I have liked to call my own plays? Absolutely, but he's the head coach. What am I going to do? So maybe Mike Tomlin is a little bit of a, uh, you know, over-manager, of, a micromanager, of, if you want to put it that way, of his coaching staff. I'm not sure. But when I seriously looked at that article, and then you see some of the things that are going on, it's, it doesn't paint a pretty picture because in the front office and in the coaching staff, there is no salary cap. You, don't, you can pay coaches what you feel they're worth. And if the Steelers are going to cheap out on everything, maybe that explains something. Maybe that explains something. So just keep that in mind. Again, not my information. You can read the article for yourself. I'm just giving it to you because I did read it and felt that it was worthy of being talked about. The last thing I want to talk about that's NFL-related, a lot of news and a lot of people have been talking about the taunting rule. So in the Bengals game, I want to say it was Eli Apple was flagged for a taunting call. In the first half of the Rams and Buccaneers game, Ndamukong Sue was flagged for taunting. Here's what I want to say about this. 
anyone that's coached any sport, there, there's going to be rules and there's going to be changes that are implemented every single offseason that you're not going to necessarily buy into. You're not going to necessarily believe. You're going to say this is a little overkill. And in regard, in that regard, you're going to say that, man, this is stupid, but there should be a but there, but it doesn't matter what you think. Let me make that very clear. So the NFL did not go around and ask every NFL head coach, player, GM, whatever, hey, we're thinking about implementing a taunting rule. What do you think about that? No, the competition committee met and said, we want to eliminate taunting in the NFL game. We want to lead by example for the younger generations, college on down. And so we're going to eliminate this. And we're going to put in this 15-yard penalty. And we're going to make sure that we absolutely enforce this throughout the season. And then that's sent out to all the teams. Here's what we're looking for. The fact that there are still players getting taunting penalties in the playoffs of this game. This is not like this This rule just started last week, folks. It has been going on since the preseason. The fact that there are still taunting rules, still taunting penalties being dished out in postseason play shows an unbelievable lack of awareness and adjustments from the players and the coaches for not reinforcing this with their players. You don't like the rule. I don't care. The NFL doesn't care. The rule is the rule. So you either adjust your game or you're going to get flagged. It's really not that complex. Do I like the rule? No, I don't like the rule. Does it matter that I don't like the rule? No, it doesn't matter that I don't like the rule. If I'm playing in the National Football League, which I'm not, I would have to follow that rule to the letter of the law. So please, NFL players, spare me with the swan song of, oh, the taunting rule stings. It's not up to you to like the rules. It's up to you to follow the rules. So save it, follow the rules, adjust your game, and then you won't get flagged 15 yards for something that you could have avoided by not being a knucklehead. That's it. Simple. It's really, it really is simple. Okay, let's talk about the 2020 NFL draft class. Now that I got that off my chest, I mean, people on Twitter were just sounding off about the taunting rules. Like, seriously, like, we're in the playoffs. Like, how have you not adjusted your game yet? The 2020 NFL draft class for the Pittsburgh Steelers, this is a cautionary tale about this 2021 NFL draft class. If you remember when the, the, the 2021 draft class, you know, you're talking about all those players that made the team, contributors to the team, you know, we're talking Najee Harris, Pat Fryermuth. We're talking even going down the seventh round picks, Presley Harvin, Trey Norwood, Dan Moore, uh, Kendrick Green, whether you like it or not, he contributed. You have all these players that contributed in, in 2021 as rookies. Everyone loves to just praise these people and say, man, they just did, they did so great. And Kevin Colbert, so awesome for drafting all these players. But 2020, that 2020 NFL draft class should be a cautionary tale. It should make all of us pump the brakes a little bit and say, yes, this was a good year for the rookie class, but can they do it again? Can they get better? Are they going to make that sophomore jump, or is it going to be a sophomore slump? 
Because when I look at this 2020 class in their sophomore seasons, which, by the way, someone asked me on Twitter, like, what do you mean by sophomores? It means second-year player. I mean, I I feel like that was common knowledge. But if not, in case you don't know what that means, a sophomore is a second-year player. So this 2020 draft class is what we're going to talk about. And in the second half of this podcast, I'm going to dive into this draft class a whole heck of a lot more. Each individual player, how they finish this season in terms of statistically, games played, etc. And then to finish it up, I'm going to give you where they're trending. I don't want to grade it. I don't want to say they're boom, bust, whatever. The vast majority of these players in the second year that just wrapped up their second year, they're not going anywhere. They're under contract at least another two seasons. So it's not like they're going to get cut. Although some of them could. I wouldn't expect them to get cut. Uh, But... We're going to show which way they're trending heading into their third season with the Pittsburgh Steelers. We're going to do that right after this break. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back to the second segment of this Monday Let's Ride podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Harbin. You know me. We're talking about the 2020 draft class, and this is something that came to my mind shortly after the playoff game. And I was thinking about the second-year players, and we pumped this group up so much after they were drafted, and not so much after they were drafted. I think we were all a little hesitant, if I'm honest with myself, after they were drafted, but after their rookie seasons, we just saw this group brimming with potential. Just, wow, like they, these guys have some real legitimate promise. But when you think about the, the little things, like for instance, this was the only class in Steelers history where all players in the draft class contributed that season. All six players that were drafted contributed as a rookie and I want to make a just a very quick proclamation as we continue on as we go and look into this 2020 draft class I am not I never have been and I never will be someone that is going to include Minka Fitzpatrick in this class yes they traded their first round pick from 2020 to acquire Minka Fitzpatrick from the Miami Dolphins but the Steelers didn't draft him he was drafted by the Dolphins out of Alabama So I'm not including him. I'm not going to add him in there. I'm not going to start talking about his statistics and what he means to the defense because, in my opinion, he's not part of this group. He's a part of the Miami Dolphins 2020 draft class. So you might sit there and say, well, I disagree with that, Jeff. That's fine. You you have every right to your opinion. I'm not including Minka Fitzpatrick in this discussion. So let's get down to the actual class, the 2020 group. The second-round pick was the first pick for the Steelers. Chase Claypool, wide receiver out of Notre Dame. Man, what a what a rookie year he had. I mean, rookie season, we're talking rushing touchdowns, receiving touchdowns. 
I think he finished with nine receiving touchdowns. So we all, myself, everyone probably listening to this, had really high hopes for Chase Claypool coming into 2021. Thinking like this is the year that Chase Claypool is going to make his mark on the NFL. This is the year that Chase Claypool is going to step up his game and be a dominant force for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Wide receiver one, Mapletron. That's what we were all thinking. What we got, well, let's talk about that. Regular season, he had 15 games played. He had 96 rushing yards on 14 attempts. Not bad. He had 860 yards receiving on fifth with 59 catches and two touchdowns. Two touchdowns. Chase Claypool had a rough season. He had a really rough season. Whether you're talking about the comments he made about how the Steelers should play music at practice. Like, that's what you got to do. Not sure what we have to, you know, that's a question. Well, Chase, what do you think the Steelers have to do to kind of, you know, get, get, right, get, get things going in the right direction? Well, what if we played music at practice? I mean, literally, can you, can you be more tone deaf to what really is going on with the organization? Then you throw in the Minnesota game where he is pointing for a first down instead of getting the ball back to the line of scrimmage. To, to the umpire, Trey Turner comes over trying to get the ball, and it it seriously felt like it just all spiraled downward from there. He made some plays, and he did seem to kind of change his game by the end of the season. In the postseason, you would see him make a catch. You wouldn't see some of the stupid, silly hand gestures that he would do. But this was a rough year for Chase Claypool. The fan reaction, the... I, for a guy that probably was one of the Steelers' faithful favorite players after his rookie season, he might be considered one of the least liked players on the team right now. So Chase Claypool, not a great year. We'll put it that way. We'll get back to him and where he's trending here in a second. <clears throat> Third-round pick, Alex Highsmith out of Charlotte, pass rusher. He finished 16 games played. He had six sacks. One forced fumble, 74 total tackles, and 15 quarterback hits. Not bad. Six sacks is a step up from his rookie season. But at some point, you have to kind of ask yourself about Highsmith. When you're playing alongside Cam Hayward and opposite T.J. Watt, T.J. Watt got 22 and a half sacks in 2021. And I don't think anyone out there, I'm certainly not, is expecting T.J. Watt type of production from Alex Highsmith, especially not right now. Nonetheless, I look at Alex Highsmith and just I just can't get it out of my head that I felt like he should have had more production this past season. Should have had more production. We should have seen more sack numbers, more quarterback hits, and we just didn't. Now, I do want to make a very clear statement here, and that is that I felt Alex Highsmith played a tremendous season in run support. And that was a question that a lot of us had when Bud Dupree left and Alex Highsmith took over was how is is Highsmith going to fill the shoes of Dupree as a run stopper? I feel like he's already done that. He's already proven that. Now he needs to go out and prove that he can get to the passer. When he's the one that's seeing one-on-one matchups with left tackles, he has to start winning. TJ Watts running through two, three players sometimes to get to the quarterback Highsmith is not getting that attention, and he's not winning. That's a problem. 
But by the end of the season, especially in the postseason, which does not include these statistics I just read off, those are regular season statistics, when I look at Alex Alex Highsmith, I felt that he was improving. Maybe he figured something out. Maybe T.J. Watt was helping him with something, and maybe it's starting to click. We can hope so. But Alex Highsmith still does have some work to do. A step in the right direction? I think so, absolutely. Could they use another Alex Highsmith to be that third rotational pass rusher? Absolutely. But as of right now, Alex Highsmith, after his sophomore season, pretty good, but room for improvement. I think we can all agree on that. This is where things get a little dicey. And that's because after Claypool and Highsmith, there's just not much left. There were only six players in this draft class. And remember, all six of them contributed in their rookie season of 2020. The first fourth-round pick, they had two in 2020, was Anthony McFarlane Jr. Now, Anthony McFarlane was supposed to be the change of pace back. He's a Matt Canada guy, went to Maryland when Matt Canada was there. He's a speedster. Very good out of the backfield. He could be what we all thought he was hoping to be was the guy that could spell Najee Harris, and when he enters the game, he has the burst. He has the ability to just take any single play the distance. Well, we didn't see that because Anthony McFarland just played in two games. Now, he did he did start the year on injured reserve. He uh, injured his MCL at the very end of the preseason. Took him time to get back, but even once he was healthy, He just couldn't get a helmet. Couldn't get a helmet. He was a healthy scratch most game days. Really disappointing season. So again, two games played, three attempts, three yards rushing. He had one reception for one yard. That was Anthony McFarland Jr.'s sophomore season. Again, we had high hopes for this young man. We saw him as a rookie get the football, and he was setting himself up for success and then just couldn't execute the run. He literally was just tripping over himself. And so we all figured, okay, this is a rookie, a little bit of jitters. He's seeing the field. He's hitting the hole, but he just he just has to put it all together. It's going to happen this year. It did not happen this year. And this is a guy that his season started off on a really bad note. And when you start on injured reserve, that's really tough, I feel, to get to get going and to get back on, as Mike Tomlin would call, that moving train. So for Anthony McFarland, I'm not sure what the future holds for him, but if the Steelers are going to go into this offseason and think that he is some sort of answer at running back, I think that they are fooling themselves. Because if he was that type of player, he would have gotten a helmet once he was deemed healthy. He would not have been in healthy scratch most games. It's just... For everything that could go wrong with Anthony McFarlane this season, it did, both from a health standpoint and also from the Steelers showing a willingness or an ability to utilize him and his skill set. The other fourth-round draft pick for the Steelers in the 2020 NFL Draft was Kevin Dotson out of Louisiana. So Kevin Dotson, boy, what a weird year this was for him. you got to go back to his rookie season. Remember, he came in, played well, and everyone thought that Kevin Dotson was kind of was one of those players that was providing a spark for a fading offense down the stretch in 2020. In the playoff game, remember Matt Filer was injured and he was coming off of injured reserve, and the Steelers chose to play Matt Filer 
in that playoff game, that loss at home at Heinz Field in the AFC wildcard game against the Browns, instead of Dotson. Dotson was healthy. They went with a veteran. Okay, that makes sense. You're going with a veteran. But then in the offseason, some other stuff happened. There's been a lot of reporting that wasn't really reporting, and I'm not saying this is not from the person that originally said it. So uh, the, the original report was that the Steelers coaching staff was just upset with Dotson. But somehow that got misconstrued and turned into that he was out of shape. They didn't like his conditioning. Kevin Dotson refutes this on social media. The people that work out with him do the same. His trainers in the summer, they all say that there's no one in better shape than Kevin Dotson. He has videos to back this up. It doesn't look like he's lazy. It doesn't look like he's not doing anything. Where are these all coming from? Well, again, the original report was not that they were upset with his conditioning. It was that they they were upset with him for something. They didn't like what they saw. Maybe it was his attitude. Maybe it was the way that he played. I don't know. <clears throat> Comes into training camp, and he doesn't even, he's not even playing. Well, he's hurt. Hurts his ankle. And so he misses the majority of the preseason, but thankfully, he's healthy enough to start the game, start the season. He's able to start the regular season. He plays nine games. It was in the Detroit game, the tie. We all want to forget that game. Week 10, I believe. It's in that game where he has a high ankle sprain, <clears throat> gets put on injured reserve, never comes back. And they, they took him off injured reserve. They started his 21-day clock. And this is another, this is just a really strange part of this draft class but this season so Dotson he goes off of injured reserve so that they start that clock you have three weeks to come back and if you don't you get you're on injured reserve for the rest of the season he never comes back tell me how that works I don't don't understand this so Mike Tomlin has to be talking with the the medical staff and say hey how's how's Dotson progressing pretty good coach Uh, he's that high ankle sprains healing up nice Uh, looks like he should be getting back and almost be ready to start practicing again. All right, so we're talking about starting this 21-day thing. Yeah, you think we could get him back on the practice field? Absolutely, Coach. I think he's good to go. All right, so let's make the move. Let's start it. So they start the 21-day clock. Dotson goes back to practice. And you're telling me that in three weeks' time, I know high ankle sprains can be tough. Let me get that out of the way. But in three weeks' time, he hasn't shown enough that he can at least be a viable option as depth. Now, there were some rumblings, not official reports, but there were some rumblings that the Steelers coaching staff kind of did this intentionally. They're still not happy with him for whatever reason, and he didn't come back on the field. I'm not buying into that. I'll put it that way. I'm not buying into that, but when you add all this stuff up, it does make you wonder. Just going to put it that way. It does make you wonder. So Kevin Dotson is supposed to be in 2022, one of the anchors along the offensive line. There's a good chance that he will be the veteran along the offensive line unless they bring in a free agent, which I, <laughs> my gosh, they better. But he's supposed to be the veteran presence on the offensive line. Okay, so now you're looking at everything and you're looking at Kevin Dotson in his sophomore season. You're still wondering, like, what in the heck was that? What happened? Maybe we'll never know. There was no fifth-round draft pick for the Steelers in 2020. In the sixth round, they took Antoine Brooks Jr., a safety, out of Maryland. He did contribute in his rookie season, and it looked like he was going to contribute for the Steelers in 2021. What happened was the guy that they tabbed to get the first shot at being the slot cornerback 
he gets cut. He gets cut. So, I again, this is one of those situations where I feel like something happened. Something happened that we don't know about. How in the world does a guy go from, hey, we're going to give this guy the first stab at being the starting nickel slot cornerback to being cut a few weeks later? Some might say he's injured, but you know what? The L.A. Rams picked him up. He's playing in the playoffs right now. Is he playing defense? No, he's a special teamer, but he's playing in the playoffs right now. I just don't get it. I don't get that either, but he's no longer with the team, so there's not much else to say. And then in the seventh round, the Steelers took Carlos Davis out of Nebraska. He played in four games this season, had five total tackles. Another player that found his way on injured reserve, I believe it was a knee injury. When he got back, it was tough for him to get back on the field when the Steelers signed Montrevious Adams. When they had players that had been playing regularly, we know Chris Wormley, Henry Mondeau, um, Isaiah Bugs was even in the mix there for a while until he got released, and then he got picked up by the Raiders. Carlos Davis, who now his brother, Khalil Davis, is in the Steelers organization as well. What do you expect out of this guy? He contributed as a rookie. Everyone thought that he, you know, Cam Hayward praised his get-off, thought he was a, had a really good motor, could be a really good player for them. Just didn't pan out. Injury plague season. So now that we look at the 2020 draft class, let's go back and see which way they're trending. Are they trending up or are they trending down? So for Chase Claypool, the second-round draft pick, he's trending down. There's no way around it. He is trending down. Say what you want about this season. He learned the tough lesson, whatever, yada, yada, yada. He's trending down. I hate to say it. No one expected that, but he is not trending in the right direction heading into year three. Alex Highsmith, I have him trending in the right direction. He's trending up. I have him trending up. I wouldn't say that he's like straight arrow, double arrow up, like he's skyrocketing, but he is at least trending in the right direction. I thought he finished the season well. I thought that he lo- he's looking more like a player that's complimentary to TJ Watt. Let's hope that continues. Anthony McFarland, no. <laughs> he is not trending up. He is trending down. Uh, Kevin Dotson, I feel like he's flatlined. That's a problem, by the way. You always want to be trending upwards. But when you flatline, you've done nothing either way. You know, Kevin Dotson played well when he had the opportunity. There's that, that cloud of uncertainty of the coaching staff and their feelings about him and the way that they utilize him hanging over his head. But I have him as a – he stayed the same. He, he's going into year three. That I'm having the same feelings I had after his rookie year. Brimming with potential, would love to see it for an entire season. Uh, and then lastly – because, believe it or not, there's only five players still on the Steelers roster, and that's Carlos Davis, another flatliner. He played in four games this year. How am I supposed to evaluate that? I think that Carlos Davis could be a welcome addition along the defensive line, uh, but at the same time, what expectations do you have? I mean, he was a seventh-round pick. Let's keep that in mind. So the 2020 draft class, I was really disappointed with this group, and maybe I set myself up for failure. Maybe we all did. I had high expectations for this group, and they let me down. They let us all down, from Chase Claypool to Alex Highsmith at times, Anthony McFarland, uh, Kevin Dotson, and Carlos Davis. Let's hope that from year two to three, there's a big jump forward. Okay, I'm not talking about junior jump or anything like that, but let's hope that the Steelers are able to find a way to get these players going in the right direction because they need them to show up with all the changes that are going on. They're now going to be veterans. They're going to have the experience these players have played in the postseason Two straight years. 
Now it's time for them to be a big part of this team moving forward. All right, I hope you enjoyed that deep dive into the 2020 NFL draft class for the Steelers. Uh, it can be depressing at times, to be completely honest with you, but I enjoyed it. It, it helped me kind of it gave me some clarity with this group because I think sometimes that's what we search for is clarity. So hope this gave me some clarity. Hopefully these players see it the same way I did. Player like Chase Claypool, work your butt off this offseason. Go out there. Don't worry about your YouTube channel. Go out there and work hard and come back year three, fresh quarterback, fresh start, and let's start making some plays. That's what I want to see. All right, folks, that does it for me. Thank you for joining me on this Monday. I hope you have a great start to your week. I'll be back on Wednesday, but check out Tuesday. Check out that Twitter feed. Follow me at jhartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T. I will be putting out the tweet for the mailbag questions, so make sure on the lookout for that. And then also, BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. It should be your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. Wherever you get your podcast, search Steelers or Behind the Steel Curtain. Subscribe, follow, whatever you have to do so that you don't miss a thing. All right, folks, that does it. As we always finish it out, be safe, be kind, and God bless. Have a great day. We'll see you on Monday. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.